<laughs> Limited potential. <laughs> Growing up, guys, what was your what, what what did you dream about? What did you want to be? Well, when I was a young lad, uh, there's a an athlete named Michael Jordan that I got familiar with and his dominance in the sport of basketball. And I think as a child, I don't know what happened. I think I went to visit uh, relatives somewhere in northern Ontario here, and they had a basketball net. So I, I'm wondering why do they have a basketball net? These people don't they're – they're hockey people up there. Yeah, yeah. And then they started playing, and I'm the young kid, you know, that one that no one covers and all that stuff. And I watched Michael Jordan, so I'm like, I want to be like Mike. And I started draining the shots. Like They actually had to start covering me. I was like a seven, eight-year-old kid. And they actually started covering me, and they're 16 years old, 15, 16. Did you get, did you do the, the dunk from the, not, not the free throw line, but from the sidewalk? No, no. All the way up the driveway, tongue out, full extension? Did I, you I was, posterize I was like, anybody? I was like seven or eight years old, and uh, I, I still can't dunk. And I'm six foot one, I can't dunk. I don't have the ups. It's just like the, the classic movie from the 90s, White Man Can't Dunk. I think it's Jump. I think it's Jump. Agree to disagree. Ashton, how about you growing up? I too wanted to be a basketball player. What? You're like four foot nothing. That's why it didn't happen. He, Come on, really? It was basketball? Well, that was one of them. Why yeah. Why am I just finding about this right now? I had a Damon Stoudemire jersey. I made the Mighty basketball. Mouse was his nickname. So right? He was a short, he, that's who I aspired to. Michael Jordan, mind you, was like the guy to watch. Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, that, that whole... Uh, era was amazing. Yeah. But, you know, now when I was getting closer, I was getting older. I'm hitting grade eight. And Toronto Raptors made the team. Damon Stoudemire is the shortest player, I think, in the NBA, or at least one of the shortest He's players. He's shorter. In the He's NBA. definitely on the shorter side. Uh, I was like, all right, short guys can make it. And I thought you'd been all about Muggsy Bogues. Nah, uh, I don't know. I like yeah, He was like, I think you're comparable in height to him. Well, really? I think Muggsy I, Bogues is like five foot two. I, I know he used to like just literally dribble up two. players. No, you got to be five foot two, like five four. Okay, yeah, so you're taller than Muggsy Bogues. You exactly. Could have been an, you could so have been an NBA star. I had a shot. You at least could have been a soccer star. I mean, isn't the best player on the planet right now like five? Ronaldo? I hate you. <laughs> I think Frank's more of a messy guy. No, sports in general, but yeah, basketball and soccer were kind of my two go to. I want to. I want to be a superstar, but I'll, honestly, mainly soccer. The basketball, I, I realized I, I didn't have the height for it. Um, but uh, soccer for sure. You guys are weird, man. I just wanted to be a Ninja Turtle. Oh, oh yeah. like, like, oh, wow. I, I didn't think it was possible, even though I would try. I learned to... at a young age you couldn't. Well, my first dream happened when I was four. It was that, or I was going to be He Man, Master of the Universe. Okay, well, if we're going to go this way, I, I did once in elementary school as a child. Uh, I thought if I ate a leaf, I would get the raccoon suit from Super Mario Brothers Three. That's amazing. It didn't do anything. Just give me a stomach ache at the end of it all. And uh, it happened to be poison ivy. My, my dream was quickly shattered. It's like then you moved on to mushrooms and <laughs> you explained. really got fucked up. Well, that was an adult thing. And I don't think it was a tie in to Super Mario necessarily. I might have thought I was at one point him, but it wasn't the original goal. You like felt it. invincible at one point. Yeah. Your gateway drug was a leaf. It just wasn't the leaf that everybody's gateway drug is. Mm-hmm. It was just a regular old maple leaf that fell off a tree. Yeah. It wasn't that bad, actually. You're in a shop and you're feeling fine. Then someone comes and cuts the line. Should you tell them how you feel? Or is it time to keep 
In case you haven't guessed it, today we'll be discussing the unwritten rules of chasing your dreams, or having them, or just dreaming. I like to dream. I know. Like daydreaming? No, no, no. This is about chasing a dream, chasing the thing that you wanted to be more than anything in the world. Like a passion. A passion, a provocation. So not a person called dream. A burning desire. Okay. A person called dream. Like Mr. Dream. Dream. Who? Like Mr. Dream from instead of Mike Tyson when they when he had those charges laid against him for Mike Tyson's punch out they called it a punch out with Mr. Dream or whatever it was. I I you're speaking another language to me right now. You know, my, they changed Mike Tyson's punch out after that whole he abused the woman or whatever happened in the nineties, and then the final boss changed from Mike Tyson to Mr. Dream. It's weird. I would have just kept it Mike Tyson. He was a pretty good villain. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they just wanted. To well, why didn't you himself. make that game, anyways? Uh, guys. Why have a dream? What, what, what good could it do for you? Give you ambition, something to strive for in life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe make you think you're a better person than you are. A little bit of money. Sure. Maybe a little bit of recognition, a little bit of ambition. I think it, it, the reason I have a dream varies at the time of life, where you are in your life. As a child, maybe it sets you on a career path that, you know, to do something as people all want to do, do something you love. But as you get older, maybe you have the dream just to, to keep you going. Because life can beat you down when you're older. If you have a dream, something to strive towards, you know, maybe you won't get so down. Because the real world sets in Real world. as you get older. The real world is a bitch. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like kind of ironic that we call our passions that we would pursue a dream and that the thing that crushes that is just reality. It's everyday waking life, well, right? I guess sometimes you might set the bar maybe a little too high when you're... Give me an example of setting the bar too high. What's, what's maybe a little bit too high on the, on the okay. I have a dream? Well, I can, I can just go with my first example. Uh, I was going to be like Mike in the sense that I thought I can actually maybe surpass him one day as a child. You thought you were going to pr- surpass Michael? Well, no, maybe be close to his level because I had a sweet fadeaway. But to be fair, I think you. anyone entering the NBA wants to be like or surpass, be that person to surpass Michael Jordan. And, and that's the trick of basketball. I will tell you, you have to be confident. If you start, you know, being modest, you're not the same player. Pound mm-hmm. for pound, I think basketball players have the most swagger. Of any of the pro and you need it. Honestly, I don't know why, but when I played, when I was at my best, I no matter who who I saw, it could be a person a foot taller than me. I I tell them I can beat them in basketball. I just had the confidence. You're and all I, about breaking those ankles. It wasn't. It wasn't like I was trash talking him. I literally felt like I can beat anyone. Ashton, in terms of like maybe setting the bar too high, what was your setting the bar too high? I, well, let's take basketball off the table because for sure it's, your parents should have stopped you. Well, I, I realized at a certain point it wasn't going to happen. You should have looked at the height of your family in general. I kind of knew. Same when you're shopping at Gap Kids, like when at, I'm in your teens, 17. yeah, like it's you're, you're not, <laughs> that was you're, my sign. You're not posterizing I anybody. Give this up. Um, I don't know setting the bar too high, but I remember very vividly in grade three we talked about what you wanted to be when you grow up. Um, and I wanted to be a, well, probably one of the most cliche things that 
anyone gravitates towards, or at least a adolescent boy, I want to be a rock star. So if you had to go back, mm-hmm. that's actually pretty awesome. I think rock star seems more achievable than being a pro basketball player or an athlete in general to me. I don't know why. It just seems like it is. Because athlete, you have to be born a specific way. That's the issue. Yeah. So I think that that plays a part in it. In a rock star, you look at there's extremely talented rock stars, and then there's bands. I'm sure they're extremely talented, but their music didn't sound like you know those, like the Clash and all that stuff. It's very simple, like high pace. Well, you got to, to your point there. You you have people that are naturally gifted, like maybe a Dave Grohl. Yeah, and then you have people that wanted to play an instrument so they just learned how and then you dedicate a lot of time to it and you just get good at it the beatles they said they were garbage at first yeah. and then they played what they say the ten thousand hour rule if you put ten thousand hours into anything you, you master can, something yeah being like an outlier uh, well it's 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 kind of interesting because some bands they just never get out of that first stage of their garage sound mm-hmm. i mean <clears throat> the ramones are a perfect example they are the equivalent of the shitty beatles but they just stayed that way, and for some reason, their sound caught. So, like, it really worked. Those it was good music. It really for that for that pursuit of that dream. It's more about I think stylization than it is about actual content. But if you had to go back and tell, we'll say pre fifteen sixteen year old you, mm-hmm. so the version of you that doesn't have the sight to know what's going to be impossible or potentially close to impossible down the road. Yeah, what would you what what little rule would you give yourself at six at 15, six, 15, 16, below that, years of age. For that specific dream or about dreaming? Oh, to have just, a dream just, at that just, point, just, what, what would you tell them? Hmm. You're not going to get much taller than you are now. <laughs> just not even like if you'd like... That, that's where you're going with it? That, out of all the things you could tell your past you, you would tell them that? It's the truth. I didn't get very, I didn't get very far. No, you know what? I think it would be to set something that I know that I could really, that I want to strive for, that I think you want to make a good living and doing and enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. I think with Rockstar, it was one of those things where I want to be on stage, you know, lead guitar, lead singer, and I want to party hard. And, you know, hey, people do it. People live it. But it's like, make it something sustainable. You're a parent. What do you tell, what do you tell your kid when they say they want to be a princess or, a, you know... You can be anything you like, sweetheart. So you tell your pre-whatever-age daughter that, you know, she can be whatever she wants? I have told her that whatever she would like to be, she can. That she just has to work hard and work towards it. That's solid advice. You shouldn't crush anyone's dreams because realistically, all the jobs, all the things you see people doing, someone's gotten there. And they weren't. They didn't get to that place by someone saying stop right now. Their parents saying stop right. Now. Some might have. Obviously, the rock star, the rebellious people. But someone who you know, who's just straightforward, maybe doesn't have that rebellious side. Maybe just encourage them. So it's like it's almost like the unwritten rule there is know the window of life that they're in or the time frame of life that they're in. Yeah. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna help somebody with pursuing a dream or encourage somebody to pursue a dream, know that at thir- like we'll say thirteen and under. They probably don't have a good grasp on what real life as an adult would be. Yeah, you don't have to teach them real life that moment by crushing their dreams. You can mm. you can let them enjoy it. Let them so. it. You know you know what? If I actually if I'm gonna I think I have a good sort of mediator on this rule. Treat crushing a kid's dreams like when you would tell them that Santa is no longer real. You don't I, do that. You let them bring it to you. 
perfect. So rather than have you crush the dream, let them crush it themselves. And uh, spoiler alert to any children listening, <laughs> Santa. Psych, we're uh, kidding. Yeah, we're joking. Santa's real. I'm not. I just saved your parents a ton of money that's going to go towards your educa- your education one day. And potentially your future dream. That's going to be the real payoff. Okay, let, let's let's talk about pursuit then. Because now we're, we're entering adulthood. We'll say your teenage years. You're moving towards being an adult. Maybe you take on new interests. I know when I was in high school, suddenly I found film. I don't know why. I sort of always been into film as a as a kid. Yeah, um, I loved Disney movies, but I, you know, at the age of ten, I had seen Pulp Fiction. I snuck into a movie theater and saw it. Yeah. Which, oh yeah. I, I it actually I saw it right after watching Good Burger, Nickelodeon's <laughs> Good Burger. You went on two extremes on those two film choices. In one afternoon, I saw the farthest left to the farthest right in terms of the spectrum of quality. Yeah. I went from absolute terrible to... In Pulp Fiction and then amazing and good. <laughs> you nailed it, man. <laughs> I, I don't know how it didn't get some sort of Oscar recognition that how year. Do you, how do you like take in Pulp Fiction as a 10-year-old? I'll tell you, you got some questions after that you can't ask anybody because you weren't supposed to watch that movie. <laughs> that said... Suddenly, in my head, the idea of storytelling changed. It wasn't the writers that we had been given growing up or the books we were forced to read in school. It was, oh, man, people actually make this. Like, there's somebody who goes and writes a story and, you know, shoots it, hires a crew, and they get financed. And Mm -hmm. I started to do my research on film. And I'll tell you, right through high school, Kevin Smith was like, Mm -hmm. he, he made it seem attainable to me. $27,000 $27,000 to make your first movie. Yeah. I, I got to just throw back to that last point you said, Ash, and what you tell your daughter. Kevin Smith has this, uh, he said it, I, I believe he says it all the time. It's a saying, he just keeps telling people, there's no harm in encouraging someone to do something that they want, right? No, there's no point in telling someone, no, you can't do it because nothing good's going to come out of it. But what if, you know, you keep encouraging people, maybe one out of those 10 people that would have been told not to do it, yeah. come out with the pulp fiction, come out with something amazing. And we're the, the only beneficiaries. There's no benefits to telling someone they can't do something. That's right. One of, one of the greatest sort of quotes of a quote is Michael Scott from The Office quoting Wayne Gretzky that you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And for no, for no other reason, inspiring somebody to chase a dream may lead them to some sort of avenue of life where... Maybe they inspire somebody who becomes a doctor and that doctor really likes the music you made as a musician and decides, you know what, I'm going to make better hearing aids. And suddenly people who formally, there's actually a great TED talk about it. It's called Rebuilding the Hearing Instrument. Okay. It's literally about a a doctor who was a cellist and uh, like on the side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he was a, a hobby celloist and... He he basically was the guy who invented what's called the cochlear implant. Now, I know that sounds like I'm not, it's a different part of your body, but it's just basically this pool of water that it filters sound, and they've rebuilt it in people who are completely deaf. Really? Because of a like a deformation. I'm paraphrasing. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't yeah, know yeah, the yeah. science behind this. But when asked why he wanted to do that, he basically played a video for everybody of how you hear a song with perfect hearing and how you hear it with a hearing aid. Yeah. And the pitches were all off. It just sounded like, like honestly a mess. Mm-hmm. And he said, if somebody took your hearing from you today and then 20 years from now, they were like, we can give you back 70% of your hearing. 
that wouldn't be good enough. You'd want 100% of your hearing back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's great to be able to hear if you can't hear, but if somebody's like, here's 100% back, you can suddenly enjoy songs again. You can hear birds. You can... My, I saw my grandfather cry when he got hearing aids because he went from having 20% hearing overall yeah. to 70% in both ears. We walked out of the clinic and he literally heard birds like chirping and flying by and he started to cry. He's like, I haven't heard birds in like 40 years. That's that's crazy. And it's literally because somebody dreamed one day of giving people who didn't have hearing, hearing. So like more to your point and ultimately Kevin Smith's point, don't ever crush your dream because you never know where it may lead. A hundred percent. That's unless their dream is uh, evil in nature. Yeah. Don't, like, don't mm-hmm. ever crush mm-hmm. someone's dreams. Yeah. If you're, if you're, kid wants to you know start the next nazi revolution like don't don't encourage that yeah. right well with the pursuit i agree I, uh, i've hit that oddly enough well we kind of hang out in the same circle i hit that same stage where movies were a big influence on my life and um i really wanted to dive into that kevin smith being a big influencer george lucas star wars really is what captivated me the first time especially as a kid i wanted to make movies i wanted to be a part of it and actually one of my favorite things to do after watching movies, watching bonus features, which were pain in the ass on VHS when they did put them in. But I loved spending hours watching how movies are made. It fascinated me. I said, you know what, one day I want to do this. So I started working towards going to film school. What do I need for that? Went to film school, did, uh, you know, did two years for that. Uh, so that was, that was pretty, that was me at that point. My dreams changed. It wasn't a rock star anymore. Um, and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to get in film sounds like a good rule there would be if you have a dream pursue some form of education in it it might not necessarily have to be at an actual facility but do the do the learning Mm -hmm. because there are plenty of books out there there's a lot of people that are self-taught ideally you want to go to some place where someone knows what they're talking about find someone who has experience doing what you want to do so you can you know get that knowledge they can't really teach you in the books well that's more to the point is People are usually the exception to a rule when they are able to achieve a dream without any sort of formal education in it. So I I still think education is important. Educating yourself is important. But you raised something interesting, Ashton. You had the dream. Mm -hmm. You pursued the education in it. Mm -hmm. When did you decide to let the dream go? Because, I mean, you're not. Have you decided to let it go yet? I wouldn't say I let it go. It's now changed. My life changed. Okay. And, and during the pursuit of this of said dream, uh, my life changed uh, for honestly for the better. And not that it was a bad time in my life; just the, things started going well. And you have and good things going on, absolutely. And so nothing. I I don't regret anything on how things played out to today. It's just I chose to take a different path so okay. at, at a certain point in my life. So that did kind of take me away from that. And instead of now being my dream, it turned into a passion I still have. So it's a passion of mine. I'm I'm passionate for movies. I love Mm -hmm. film. I love cameras, photography. So anything to do with that kind of uh, a whole genre, um, I still have a very big passion for. So would you actively pursue an opportunity in that field or would you just take one if it came? I know you would definitely take one if one came along, but would you actively, if you saw a sliver of an opportunity, would you take that chance right now? That's a good question. Right now, yeah. I got a lot going on, so I don't yeah. know if I would. 
Because let's face it, especially in that field, I'm not naive. It's one takes a lot of a lot of hard work, which I'm not afraid of, and dedication, and a lot of it's without very little, like with very little pay. So just the stage in my life, I'm not, I can't really do that. Uh, you know, it's I'm not there. If you know the perfect scenario that everyone mm-hmm. talks about, you win the lottery and money starts coming in. Hands down, I'll quit my job and I'll start doing whatever I need to to get into it. I'd, I'd still love to do it. So you basically. You, nece- you don't necessarily quit your dream, but you kind of Transition put, put a little it. less less priority maybe into it, and you might find a new new avenue of achieving maybe a new dream. Yeah. Or just enjoying the field of your dream. So maybe rather than it being a dream career, it becomes the hobby of your life. Yeah. To be fair, the director of Deadpool, okay, Tim Miller. Tim Miller, that's it, yep. He's 50 years old and he directed his first movie. I think it was his first one, right? Well, I, he he, was, he directed his first movie, but he he also, he, he did a lot of work in the video game community. So. Yes, he came from the video game side, but th- th- he was working in video games. Yep. And one day you can say he had a dream. I want to direct a movie. And it's not like two completely different worlds. It wasn't like he was scrubbing toilets and then all no. of a sudden he ended up, you know, making making a movie. No, he had... He did a lot of legwork in between to maybe fulfill a dream, which yeah. was making a movie. Well, and, and that's my point is that for me, age necessarily isn't a factor, right? So it's like there's always that mm-hmm. possibility that, you know what, one day for me, I'd like yeah. to see it happen. I'd love to, I'd love to work on something. I guess that's the difference. Like when you're going for an athlete. So let's say for some reason I decide to dedicate everything I can to basketball right now. I'm not. Uh, I'm not at the right age group anymore. I'm kind of past the prime. <laughs> you're literally out of prime years, unless, unless I'm LeBron's age. Me and LeBron, well, we're all from LeBron. You're comparing year. yourself to one of the best basketball players. That I'm not ever saying lived. I have to be as good as him, but we're age wise, I could see you. To be honest, I could see you as like an alternate flavor on the Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah, LeBron's <laughs> the same age as you. That's us. He looks older. He's you 84. look. You look good. He's 84. No shit. I have not, not accomplished old. anything. Well, you're, again, again, you're comparing yourself <laughs> to, to a, like a multimillionaire guy makes more money in like 10 seconds of, yeah. of his waking day than I've probably made in my entire life. That kind of drives my point. So somewhere in my mid-20s, this is always on the back burner, but I guess going to school, I realized I wasn't getting any calls from colleges for basketball. So I grew up liking cars. I love cars. And I wanted to, I had to make a choice. I was good at math and I'm... Uh, Big fan of Porsche at the time. And I'm like, one day I want to work for Porsche. You know, one day I want okay. to be an engineer at Porsche, design these beautiful cars, fast cars. In Stuttgart? In Stuttgart, yeah. Let me ask you this then. Because working for a, a car company seems like a very attainable goal, at least in like the logistics of the yeah, world. Yeah, well, it depends on what part of the car company. Okay, but are there, for argument's sake, maybe steps you could have taken? Like, let me ask you this. Is it better to swing big and miss big, or is it better to like risk versus reward, aim small, win small as you go? See, I I guess I'd say, I don't know if it would qualify, but it'd be more of a, I swung for it. I went to the schooling. I took mechanical engineering, finished it. I got my first job and it was kind of a small job thinking eventually it's going to get better and better. And I, I guess I needed to go a lot more in depth in education for that because it, even doing half of what an engineer at Porsche could do would be Im- impossible by me. It's it's a those those engineers are the cream of the crop. They are fantastic. Like even people people knock North American cars. Those engineers there are smarter than most people you know. So hmm. for me to compete there, I I guess I've kind of diverted my my uh, my dream from becoming a Porsche designer to 
I guess por- more in, the, in in this field here. A, a Porsche enthusiast. A Porsche enthusiast, and maybe I'm putting it towards this podcast. You know, just don't become one of those guys who who just wears the gear. You know what I mean? No, no, I'm not gonna. No, I, like I, can't I, do I've never liked that when somebody rocks like the Ferrari hat, the Ferrari jacket, and they're driving like a like a, a Pontiac Fiero. Or yeah, whatever. oh, I, I just helped somebody in a Fiero a couple oh, yeah? of weeks ago. He rebuilt the engine and it stopped working, so I had <laughs> yeah, to give him a car. boost. Yeah. So the education becomes too much, and all of a sudden, it's not something you want to do. Can your dreams change? Like as you get older, can can you want different things? Is that okay? Is it is it a betrayal of who you are? I don't think so because as a child, you look at like let's say my example, I wanted to design Porsches and, and sports cars, Lambos, and all that. When you get older, you realize what the business is about and you realize what it actually is. Because on the surface, you look at a fast car, you're having fun, this and that. Those engineers work their asses off. They're working late nights. They're, there's a lot to do there. So it's one of those passions where people, I'm sure they work themselves like crazy, but they they like the reward. They like knowing that they made this vehicle. For me, I, that's too much for me. I think for can dreams change? Well, absolutely. So I went from rock star to filmmaker. Uh, and, um, you know, I think even now today at the stage I'm in, I still think that dreams can change. And to kind of go back to one of the earlier questions you asked me, Frank, of if I could tell younger me, give them, give myself any advice to be very direct and specific advice as of like generic of you can do anything, work hard and all that jazz. I would have tried to convince myself to get into computer programming. Really? Yeah. Oh, 100%. Because 100%. If, you, if you look at now and the area, the era we grew up in, we're in our young 30s, apps and all this stuff didn't exist. We grew up with that. And to take advantage of getting into that market, being the first one to do something, to pioneer something on YouTube, on an iPhone, on on making an app, we 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 were part, we are part of that generation that could have pioneered it. Now everyone's doing it, right? Well, maybe. So for me, it would have been, and I liked computers at that time. I used to build my own computers. I was like, I was into it. I just never pursued coding. I didn't really think I wanted to do that. I would have convinced myself to study it you know, and just say, you know what? Know how to do this. The funny thing is, in my story, I wanted to basically make video games. And my dad's like, oh, you just wanted to get into coding because he's like, oh, you just want to make video games. You just like video games too much. And he shot it down. So <laughs> I'm like, I got to listen to my dad. I'm only 14. What do I know? Maybe a good rule there is stay up to date. Have your dreams run in congruency with new emerging technologies, new emerging fields. Yeah, that that can be. But to get ahead of it, like, how do you get ahead of it? So if I knew back then in school, do this, like coding existed, computers were around. We were, I was, we had typing class, right? Keyboarding. (laughs) This is terrible class. I don't know. Sorry. Yeah, it's, that's the whole thing is you want to get ahead of the curve. So in high school for us, if I knew how to do that, if I, if I came out of college, when we did 15 years ago, mm-hmm. with that in mind, the moment this start of technology started coming, I would have been all over it. Well, I, I feel like you guys are are kind of not following. I disagree with that rule because if it's a dream, it should be something you're passionate about. That's my thought on it. You need to be passionate. And if you're telling your, you know, your younger self, well, there's going to be a lot of jobs in this in the future, get into it because of that. 
That's well, I, I, I but, but I, I was ca- passionate about computers. But I didn't. It mean, was something we, I was passionate about. It's about just com- that's not the direction I wanted to take. I at some point I was like, you know what? It's film. It was movies. I wanted to go that way. But I still had a passion, not a dream, with computers. I like building it. I love technology. I loved video games. That was all there. I maybe I need to clarify what that actual rule is. I didn't say like I didn't mean it to sound that I wanted you to or anybody to pursue emerging fields strictly because of their financial reward. I mm-hmm. meant it more in the sense of, hey, if you love baseball or if you love, you know, tiddlywinks or you love apps or whatever it is that you love, maybe stay in in the know of what's brand new and emerging in those fields. Mm-hmm. Like I'll give you a perfect example. One of the weird little dreams I had when I was in high school was being a hairstylist. Okay. Now, being a man with no actual hair myself, it seems odd, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, back then you had hair, I'm guessing. I, I did, but it was it was thinning. God, yeah. God played a cruel joke on me. Yeah, you went bald like the earliest of people in our grade. <laughs> you know what? Let's let's just mitigate this disaster of my physical appearance and say that I have a nice shaved head. My, no, it my, works. It, it works. does. It yeah. works. And at this point, I couldn't imagine having hair. But one thing that really drives me nuts is when people do have hair and it's particularly ugly or unkept. Mm-hmm. So, and I always appreciated really, really nice hair. So when I had this little dream of being a, a hairstylist, I looked into what it would be. And it's even something now that if I wanted to pursue, it's a year. It's a year of getting the basics, practicing. Like apprenticeship. But here's the thing that some things force you to do. So I'll take hair, being a hairstylist, for example, you got to continually take coloring courses. You got to continually take the seasonal cut or the new in trend cut course. I think that's the that's true in a lot of jobs nowadays. You never stop learning now. But it's staying on top of your field, yeah. right? So if you're already kind of doing that before you have the job, if you're already staying that tr- or trying to stay at least with it or projecting what the new thing may be, mm-hmm. I think it makes your dreams a little more attainable. Because if you can predict that next thing, i.e. Some, okay, okay. something like, ugh, I don't know, like you look at fad toys, okay? Well, if, you, if you're the person who invented Beanie Babies, stuffed animals existed before then. Or or those Funko Pop dolls now. Perfect. Bless those people. You re- you're into them too, huh? I yeah. hate them. I think they're so stupid. I've had to stop myself. I haven't bought one in a while. I had to stop. I like collecting things. They I got you. They got you. Oh, yeah. I know you like they have that. Horizon Zero Dawn ones coming out. And I was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. My wife's going to kill me. You know, I know you like to collect things. How? We can smell our own. Yes. Yeah, yes, we I can. Know. I collect things too. How about you, Luca? You collect things? I used to and, and I stopped. But the reason why, like, I still have the stuff from back in the day. Like, I have my, my old Star Wars uh, Millennium Falcon from like 20-something years ago. Original packaging or you played with no, it? No, I played with it. I was a child. You marketed it up? Put crayons no marker, on. no marker. But the stickers might Put peel hot, off. Hot rod flames on it. <laughs> no, I was terrible. I cared for my stuff, but I also played with it. I wasn't like some people at this table that keep their stuff in their packaging. Yeah, he played. Hi guys. Ashton was one of those guys who played with the Millennium Falcon by steering the box around in the air. Okay, not true, but we definitely have to come back to this topic about collecting. We'll 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 get to that one day. But one last question with regards to dreams changing and where they could go do you guys have any particular dreams right now about your futures hmm that's that's a one you just sprung on us uh 
quite honestly, this is one of them that I'm pursuing. We've talked about this before, and this is how this pot one one of our podcasts started and, and limited potential it was. Uh, you know, originally I know it was Luca, Matt, and myself. We were sitting down talking about all things we enjoy doing: video games, chatting online, um, and coming up with these crazy ideas. Like, well, why don't we just start doing a podcast? Yeah, and really, this is something I'd love to see take off and. We're hoping that it is already, and if not, hopefully getting there one day where we could do this full time. I yeah. would, I would love that. So yes, absolutely. Dreams can, dreams will always change because life changes, and life comes at you and throws curveballs at you. And not to say you give up on your original dreams. I think the people, to be honest, that make it big and are those Michael Jordans and and the Steven Spielbergs. They had a vision and they had a dream that they just stuck with and they went after it at all costs. And that's how you become the greatest. Now, you don't have to always be the greatest or strive to be, but you want to strive for your dream. You never have to let it go. So let me ask you this question. Do you think that a good unwritten rule of dream chasing is that you have to believe in cliches? What do you mean? Because literally everything you just used to describe the pursuit of a dream was a little cliche based. Do you have to be somebody who buys into common nomenclature like things that well the reason why he's saying these cliches is because everyone who's become successful says the exact same thing don't let anyone take you off your path you go for what you love and Mm -hmm. every successful person that the people with the most desirable jobs out there all say the exact same thing i remember listening to this and again i'll be paraphrasing but it struck me so hard uh, and it was Dave Grohl talking about when he started playing music. Okay. And again, paraphrasing here might be a bit off, but I remember him saying that he used to sit down. Well, I forgot how old he was, like five, maybe, you know, less than eight. And he would sit down with a tape recorder and, and lay down the drum track, whether it's, you know, pencils on a pillow or something. And he'd have a tape deck. Then he'd get a second tape deck play that recording and then start playing guitar. Then he'd, you know, record over that with and do it again. And now singing the guitar and then, yeah, yeah. He was, he said he did that at such a young age. I wouldn't have ever thought of doing that. I would think of, you know, doing the one, okay, I'm going to take these pencils or, you know, drumsticks and drum a pillow or, or a pot. But that's the vision he had. Like, he loved music. And that's what I'm really talking about. Like, yes, you're right. As cliche as it is, asks, you know, when you talk about Steven Spielberg, when he started making his first movies as a child, and he had the army soldiers that he used to make, you know, his own mini mini films with on a, a Super 16 or a Super 8 camera. As a kid, I loved making movies, but I never thought of going that deep to it. And he did. And that look, look where he came, right? Well, yeah, he is, he is probably the, the master... I mean, a master class of his generation or his, you know, I guess, time frame of being in his career. He, yeah. He's, he's probably, probably one of the greatest of all time. Probably nobody better. Like, yeah, in terms of I diversity. I can't think of many bad movies or any, to be honest, off the top of my head. Like, he's done it all. He's done suspense, thrillers, comedies, war films. Like, the guy's got everything under his belt. So, again, you're right. Cliche-ish, but I think it's true. Like, when you look at the greats right now or any... And you hear about how young they started. You hear about how they started. It blows your mind. It's like, oh, I was three when I started doing that. I was like, really? 
I was three and I'm playing with toys because that's what made me happy and that's what I want to do. You thought of this already? You started pursuing that at that age? It's weird because it seems odd to me, but it seems like you can make a dream out of anything you did. And I look at somebody like Seth Green from – he's the creator of Robot Chicken. Yeah, yeah, I At one time I was thinking, how could you make money playing with toys? Because I, I loved playing with toys when I was little. Mm-hmm. And, you know – there's a way. There's always a way. Like Seth Green basically took playing with toys and built. He, he's like the the I guess the best of them, right? He's yeah. he's the most known. But then you also look at people on YouTube. I'm, I don't know if your daughter does the same thing, but my nieces do this, where they go on YouTube and they watch someone play with like you know the Frozen dolls, like Anna and Elsa, and they make up these terrible stories. Like I hate it so much. Like they're not they're not storytellers at all. Like they they're not qualified, but for some reason they found their audience and kids who don't understand what a plot in a, in a movie or a show is, and so, the amount of money they make on YouTube. So basically, of millions some, of views. Yeah. The kids are clicking play, play, play. Yeah. So you're telling me somebody took the idea of the bad puppet show with dolls and made kid, it worse. Kids watch it. You don't understand how bad this is. So. I guess the unwritten rule is even if you don't think you have the talent for it, there's someone that's willing to to pay for your... Take Kevin Smith's advice. Don't let anyone say you can't do it and just throw it out there. Throw it out there in the world and see if it sticks. And in the future, when your child is watching a bald man playing with Star Wars and G.I. Joe toys, uh, that's Frank. New YouTube YouTube channel is coming out in a few months, guys. My head can act as like the Endor moon. From Return of the Jedi or the Death Star, I'll just have like a little laser point, laser pointer shining. Can I be like the the makeup artist? Because that's one of my dreams, right? So you don't want to shut me down. I will. I use permanent marker though. It actually, and I'll film it all. It it actually seems like right now at this point in human existence, if your dream was to create anything, whether it be a better shaving product, a better sock, a better car, there's a market for everything. Like. Pretty much, you have an idea. If you can will it into existence, the odds are you will make money. You can throw it out there because the internet reaches everyone, almost everyone out yeah. there. So you have, you can market to anyone you want. It just seems like everything is so streamlined now to actually pursue your dreams. Think about it, like before when you wanted to, let's say you wanted to be a director, you wanted to be an actor, your only means was going through what the the actors guild and getting onto a TV show or getting onto a commercial, whatever it was. Now you have YouTube. You got iPhones. You got iPhones, which are your cameras. You got YouTube, which is your distribution source. Mm-hmm. And you could do whatever you want. There, how many people you see on Snapchat and on Instagram that become semi-famous because they get a following? Or, f- to be fair, famous in their own right. Well, they're famous, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, they- I don't know if what your opinions are, but I think the unwritten rule of dreams, keep having them, keep pursuing them. Don't let anyone tell, tell you that you can't do them. Agreed? Unless they're based in a standard of evil that exists in society. Okay. Agreed. That nice is the caveat. main rule. Don't okay. let the man shut you down. If you think we missed anything or you want to tell us about potential dream rules that you have, you can reach out to us at Twitter um at the uh, at the ur podcast or you can reach us on instagram at the unwritten rule podcast visit our website at www.ltdpotential.com you can also check us out on soundcloud itunes and the google play music store 
feel free to drop us a review and let us know what you think. And remember, people, rules are made to be broken, but you can't break the unwritten ones.